second viewing. New look, same great taste. I'm Kyle. I'm Dan. Shakabra. Today in the podcast, we've got a great movie for you guys. We're talking about Spirited Away. This is a Miyazaki film from uh, Studio Ghibli. Studio Ghibli, right, right. Definitely Released one of our favorites. 2001, of, uh, so it's like a good 15 years ago since we came out. Definitely. So it's definitely one of our favorite of his films. Mind you, there's a couple of different ones that brought us into the Studio Ghibli world, like Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah, and, that's, that's and the one I was for sure first, I think. Looking back at it, I remember like seeing in the movie store, like what what is this? Before I even really knew what anime was, like maybe all I knew was like Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, that kind of shit. Yeah. Didn't quite understand that there was like feature films like, based out of the anime. That like, kind of style. Yeah, that style. I didn't understand that it was, you know, a Japanese, like, produced film. I remember taking it off in the movie store and just being, like, honestly still kind of confused about it. I remember watching it and being like, what the fuck is this? But it was just so interesting because it was so different, right? Yeah. But um, Kiki's Delivery yeah. Service definitely got to be one of my favorites. I mean, the whole idea of this little girl being on her own is really cool. But uh, the one that brought me into the Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli world was Totoro. Right, okay. That's, like, probably the one that are, I don't even know if it's the most popular film, but, it, like, Totoro itself is probably the most popular thing about Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Just, like, that's, like, Totoro's the Mickey Mouse, definitely. right? Like, yeah. That's, that's, that's the best comparison I can probably think of. And I kind of felt a similar way when I watched it, which was, like, what the fuck is this? But it was the kind of movie that, even though I didn't get it, I loved it for some reason and kept watching over and over again. And forgot about it for, I don't know how long it was when I was a kid, but I, I forgot about it for a while, and then ended up picking up Spirited Away. So that's kind of, that's how I got into it. Yeah, Spirited Away, I, I was the first movie that I ended up like seeing like people owning, you know, like people would pick it up because it was like, it was widely available. Disney ended up doing a distribution yeah. deal with it in the United States, and that's kind of how things became a little bit easier to be able to pick it up. Uh, the only other notable uh, theatrical release was Princess Mononoke in the late 90s. Right. But that was uh, distributed by Miramax. So it was kind of a different... Miramax took a more serious tone with the film, which, to be fair, the movie does have a ser- more serious tone. And it was just... It didn't do very well over here because, again, it was just such a niche thing. And right. I think Spirit Away, which is a film that can appeal to children, although I would barely call it a children's film. We'll get into that, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's, it was just it was more it was a more accessible film. It, it won uh, best animated feature at the two thousand or two thousand one I guess Academy Awards. I'm not too sure which the ninety ninth maybe ninety eighth. I'm not too sure. But um, anyways, so because of that, it became widely known as you know like there could be really good animated films or there could be or anime films I should say. Right. Um, and that's kind of where we are now at this point. I think Miyazaki's definitely made some. Other great films since uh, House of Castle. Definitely, um, as far as animation is concerned, this guy's kind of the god of it. Oh, the guy draws every scene, yeah. all the characters and colors himself. Um, you know, that's twenty-four frames a second, just like a feature-length. Right. Yeah. Film, yeah. I think. Right? I think for like anim- anime, it's sometimes a little short, a little smaller. Like they don't do it as many frames, but right. I, again, like roughly twenty-four. So it, it's unreal. And he, this, he, and you know, this is the type of movie that takes years to make, just because it's got to be hand drawn. Now, I think one of my favorite things about this is knowing that Miyazaki um, created this film, not knowing where the story would go. Right. right. Yeah. He does. He just kind of started create. Yeah. He just storyboarded. You know, he, he must have come up with like a short storyboard of these characters and kept rolling with it until eventually the story was finished and he developed a 
you know. An actual plot. Yeah, no, yeah. He, he does that with all of his films. He's never been one to write a script. He only makes storyboards and then goes from there. So Which because of that, his entire body cool. of work is super prestigious. Like, I, I mean, you might have, like... He's kind of the genius of anime, really. Well, and he, he's the kind of guy that's kind of seen it all. Like, he's worked in smaller studios. He's done shorts. And now he has this legacy, but he deserves it, sort of. Right? Yeah. Like, everything he's made... He's never made a bad film. He might have made a film that's not as good as his last or something like that. Yeah. But he, the guy's never done something totally trash, right? Exactly. Which is super super notable. And, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much why we're here today talking about this flick. Um, it's Yeah, it's an awesome movie. Mind you, there's a lot of symbolism in 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 uh, Miyazaki's right, films. Right. And I think we're going to take a little bit of a lighter tone with it. If you want to know some more in-depth details and, and have someone break down the symbolism for you, you're more than welcome to check that out elsewhere. But for us, I think we're just going to talk about yeah. why we had fun with this film, why we love it so much. You know, some plot points in general. We'll go over maybe a little bit of symbolism that we could see, but keep in mind it's super depth. Like, it's super Yeah, yeah. We'll call, dense, it a, yeah. we'll call it a disclaimer, I guess, that this is just our thoughts on the film, not a review. Yeah. Some of our other podcasts can maybe be, like, considered review or review-esque in terms of what we talk about. This time around, we thought it would just a little, be a little bit easier on us and probably you, the listener, who probably honestly knows more about this movie than we do by taking a different approach this time around. Yeah. And, yeah, like you were saying, man, there's a lot of great content out there, people who have, like, broken down this film scene by scene. And all by all means, check that shit out because it's really interesting. But it's not quite what we're going to do here today. What we're going to do is just kind of talk about the movie. So yeah. let's let's get into it. Let's get into Spirit of right now. So I think kind of to break down the plot, you could say that there's a girl named Jihiro and her family. I thought her name was Sen. Is it Sen? Sen when she's in the, the sort of dream world. Oh, thanks for clarifying that. We're getting into that. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, thanks for settling that bet with me. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. I was just double checking though. You still owe me a case of beer, I think. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Pixar didn't happen. Pixar did happen. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, the movie, the movie starts off with Chihiro. So she is a character also named no name is Sen. In the dream world. In the dream world. Uh, she's on a family trip in, the, in which they're moving, right? They're, they're traveling in a car to move to a new, new town or new city. She's not. She doesn't seem happy about moving. Um, they end up going down a small sort of grid road that's uh, covered by forested trees. They end up at... Um, uh, a block in the road. They go through the tunnel at the end of it and find what they deem at the time to be an abandoned theme park. So they cross over into the theme park right around lunchtime, so everyone's hungry. So her parents, even though the town is dead, they find a little restaurant or some kind of uh, buffet-style Japanese buffet. They start digging in. Jihiro's not feeling it. She's got a bad feeling. There's nobody around. Um, they assure her that it's fine. They'll just pay when whoever has made the food gets back. Next thing you know, she explores a little bit, gets herself into a bit of trouble, comes running back, and her parents have turned into pigs. Right. So this is when we get introduced to the idea that wherever they are, through this tunnel has um, kind of put them into some sort of magical realm, an alternate universe where, you know, spirits kind of roam the streets yeah. and they exist, coexist, everything around them. Exactly. We start seeing... The town come to life in the in the evening. I would assume it's, that like as soon as they once the tunnel starts, the other side starts. That's when like a different world happens. Yeah, right. Perhaps. I think so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And there's yeah. So I mean, the movie is very whimsical. That's definitely you know completely fantasy. And it has a it has a really cool um, imag- imaginative sense to it in the way that 
everything kind of has like this their own like personality and spirit and kind of their own characteristics, whether it's like culturally or just uh, personality wise. And everything's really fun, but also really dark. Like some of these characters, it definitely is some serious dark tone in this. Like. Wow, it's yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy that this could almost be considered a kid film. Some yeah, even some of the dialogue isn't that. It's like, oh, I'll rip your throat, and like yeah. all these weird kind of lines that I mean, like you know, me as like you know an adult watches. I think it's like really like kind of compelling and cool dialogue going on here. But like, I think that must have just kind of flew over my head when I was younger. I must have been in like roughly ten or so when I, I first think, saw this. Yeah, and I didn't really. It didn't really phase me, but I feel like if I was a little bit younger, it, it would have really creeped me out, honestly. I don't know if I fully understood what was going on the whole time, so my mind was just rambling with questions. So <laughs> hearing the dialogue, you know, I want to rip your throat out, I all I was understanding was, oh, that person's angry at that person. I still don't know why or what the fuck's going on, but... Well, that's the thing. This movie's just, like, there's so much going on. But it, it, it it's never, it's never, like... Um, like misinformed, like the plot always makes sense. Like there's nothing, there's not like it's not like say another film like Suicide Squad where there's so much going on to the point where, uh, you know, the plot makes no sense. And this film, it's kind of more like the visuals are so, um, there's so much going on visually, but narratively it's making sense and it's all really working towards kind of this like kind of thin plot, but when every character is kind of so like developed and. So charismatic, it, it the things feel so whole and it, it feels so <coughs> together. Really. And I think that's pretty neat. Like, <coughs> like watching this later on in life, I guess you could say, like on the second viewing, even um, you definitely can appreciate like the animation and how much time was went into this film. Oh, it, it's amazing to me that Miyazaki can paint this weirdly intricate and like super beautiful, vibrant world. Yeah, it's like how this shit comes to his mind baffles me completely. It's be it's beyond my own like. Oh, guys, Daniel's dying here. I'm pretty sure. Excuse me, guys. Wow. Yeah, geez. Got the sneezes. Got a couple sneezes over here. Yeah, a little sneezy vibe. Oh, allergy season, I suppose you could say. Gotta get that Benadryl. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's so intricate. Like how Miyazaki comes up with these worlds is unbelievable to me. Right, and I think and there's movies he's done where they're kind of based on maybe like other fairy tales or real life people. But this is just a completely yeah. his own like imagination. His own, yeah, his own creation in his mind. I do. I, I mean, to think that he put a piece of paper in front of him, and and drew this family in a car. They ended up at a tunnel in the storyboard, and eventually they ended up at what they thought was an abandoned theme park, what was a dream world. And the some of the most beautiful drawing and painting, right. like, you know. Also, like shout out to crazy. the HD remaster. Oh, wow. The yeah. HD remaster. That's what we watched. This, definitely this well done. Highly recommend picking up the, I guess, the Disney Buena Vista Blu-ray re-release. Came out last year, I'm pretty sure. Highly recommend it. Like, the movie, the movie already looked beautiful, to get me wrong, yeah. but, like, seriously, watch it on a Blu-ray DVD player on HGTV, and it's, like, actually breathtaking. Yeah. It's I really mean, nice. We've seen this movie a million times, but we got the chance to watch it on this really nice projection screen here in the studio. Yeah. And, and it, was, it was... It was a treat. Oh, it was such a treat. We went through a little bit of trouble <laughs> setting up the audio, about four hours worth of trouble. Besides that, I think it was fine. But even, even yeah. uh, other than that, we even watched it one more time, actually, on your home theater, and... It was awesome. Yeah. Like it, it was really, really nice. Um, so if you can watch it that way, I would re- really recommend it. Um, just because, like you're saying, that like that alone really helps to like the painterly quality of all these stills and yeah. stuff. And I, I know on a narrative 
uh, standpoint that he um, little little things are kind of based on his childhood from this movie. Like there's right. when he's when they're when Chihiro is pulling like the bike out of the swamp like scene, but it's actually no face kind of. Right. Um, that actually I guess happened to him as a kid. Him and a couple of his buddies were like going to an old lake that when they were really young was like a nice swimming lake, but as they got older it became like polluted with, you know, trash or whatever, and they found a bike in there. So he like attached a rope to the bike and the three of them or four of them were like pulling this bike out to clean up yeah. the lake kind of thing. And yeah. that's kinda emulated in this movie. So I don't know how much more of that is based on his childhood, but I mean little it's, tidbits. It's interesting cool. to see if, you know, I mean, like, the childlike sense of wonder that he has himself is kind of a part of Sen and Chihiro. If maybe that's related, I'm not sure, but, I mean, I could see it. I don't right. know. Well, I think I kind of started giving the plot synopsis on this movie, and then we jumped into some discussion. So right, right. basic plot overview is essentially Chihiro and her family is moving. They come across a tunnel. Um, on the way to their new house, they cross over into what seems to be a dream world, where her parents begin uh, turning into a uh, turning into pigs. Um, now Jahiro is scared, tries to run home. She doesn't believe that's her parents. Tries to run back to where she came, but is blocked by a river um, and a huge sea. And across the sea, kind of looks like another town. Um, now she's. Uh, there's another character that comes to her, Haku. Haku. And Haku says, shh, quiet, you have to eat some food from this world in order to beco- become a part of this world, otherwise you'll disappear. And yeah, and there's just, there's a scene where her like, feet are slowly becoming clear, like she's disappearing, as yeah. if like she's not human anymore sort of thing. So she's scared. She doesn't want to eat the food. She eats it anyway. She's led towards this bathhouse, which is kind of the main setting of this dream world town. Right, it's, um, it's and the that's whole where the rest of the movie around. really takes place for the most part. Um, it centers around the boss lady who runs the uh, who runs the spa, Yababa. Yababa, and in order to survive, she's got to work for Yababa. And in order to get her parents back, she has to go through a whole huge series of events. So it becomes about get, you know finding her parents or returning them back to human form and getting home. But along the way, she ends up helping people and running into other difficulties. So it's this cool sort of childlike whimsical thing where you know she's not just concerned about her own problem but she's trying to do the right thing wherever she is right it it has this like coming of age like sensibility where she's you know she's a young girl but she's trying to do right for her parents and you know she she's kind of being very selfless she's doing something for her family rather than herself and i mean the whole kind of first like 15 minutes is like her parents being so greedy and gluttonous and eating all this food and not really caring about the the consequences and there's that awesome line we love where she, her dad's like don't worry dad don't worry girl dad's got, got ca- cr- credit cards and cash and it's just it's really obvious that like you know her parents are of the mentality of just kind of like you know materialistic things are more important than anything else whereas she's just concerned about her family and she's kind of concerned about you know, she doesn't want to disrespect anyone. Right. She's being very careful and compassionate. She obviously has respect for her elders, and even maybe though she doesn't condone the actions in which her elders do, she's she's kind-hearted and she wants to you know better them yeah. and save them. I mean, fair enough. It's her, it's her parents. She obviously wants her parents to be okay. They're turning to pigs. It's really weird. Yeah. So, like you said, that's where the movie kind of takes place, and it just kind of everything kind of happens in this in this uh, this bathhouse. 
and we get introduced to a bevy of characters. Like, lots, really. So, Probably more than we char- could even really yeah. like list off. But there's the boiler room man in which she kind of... Uh, That's a very important scene. Yeah, yeah. In which she... I mean, I... The they kind of like this like core friendship group where it's like there's Ren, the Boiler Man, uh, Haku, Chikiru, and maybe what's that little frog guy's name? I wouldn't even consider him. Part they're of not the quite. They're group. not. But you know what I mean. There's like there's yeah. like that little core in which they're all kind of they're really looking yeah. out for Sen. They they showcase different parts of the bathhouse with it. So it's like the Boiler Room Man is at the you know he works in the Boiler Room. He's sort of hidden away from everyone. Then Sen, who sort of ends up J- Jahiro, ends up shadowing, is sort of one of the girls who helps cleaning the bathhouse, tending to the customers, refilling the towels, scrubbing the floors. Right. So you're getting introduced to the grunt work part of things. And then eventually you get introduced to Yababa, um, who runs the bathhouse, and Haku, who does uh, Yababa's dirty work. And then a couple of the characters who play different roles, like the frogs in the kitchen are the, right. are, are the cooks and, and they're French. Yeah, I guess it's like the whole, you see the entire like, System of how this place runs, right? From yeah. the, like you said, from the kitchen to and there's sort of a character to represent anything. every little part of it. Yeah, which is it, probably one of the most interesting parts of the film, where it's like there's so many different character designs and so yeah. many different just personalities running throughout this this bathhouse, and it, it's really fun to watch. I really kind of do like how the main characters that they focus on, though, or the main cast, is all kind of there to guide like Chikiru or Sen in a way. Like they're always there to help her out somehow. Especially Ren, who's, I mean, the most, like, human-like, like, someone who seems very similar to Sen, like, and yeah. maybe she, they don't really explain her backstory from what I can remember, but she, you can maybe assume that she maybe appeared a similar way that she did. Um, and she's there to help her out. Like, she, like, tells her how to, like, what kind of clothing she should wear for, the, for her job and, you know, gets her a nice place to stay. And, like, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting because I think the rest of the kind of, employees or people staying in the hotel are so, like, out of this world. But then yeah. you kind of have these scenes where they are seemingly level-headed, her and... Or Chikiru and Ren. Yeah. Which is kind she's, of neat. She's a little bit more on her level in terms of... Uh, you know, she's a little bit more accepting. She's maybe right. a little bit more compassionate or... You know, she's not so quick to judge, almost. Yeah, she wants yeah. to give her a chance or feels bad for her, maybe. Because at first, she's a little bit hard on her. True. And then yeah. eventually, she kind of sees, like, oh, this girl is young or, like, has never done this before or is new to this world or doesn't get this. Right. And I mean, tries she, to help her out. She's never worked a day in her life sort of thing, right? And, and, yeah. and she's still really young. I mean, I don't know if she's expected to work, essentially. But she kind of just gets thrown in, like, feet first and... Yeah. has to deal with all these different uh, obstacles. But that, that's half the fun, I think, of this movie, where we kind of see someone grow up really fast, but not in a negative sense. We see someone yeah. kind of develop really good really good working skills, you know, just positive things. Yeah, working hard. Um, you know, she's tough. She, uh, she cares about other people. She's not always concerned about herself. Yeah. Um, she doesn't let the emotions... You know, she's got all these really good qualities that sign, kind of sends a good message to kids out there. But at the same time, yeah, it's a cool coming-of-age story. And it's very artful and beautiful and well-told and in a totally different way than most uh, coming-of-age movies we've probably ever seen, especially in the Western world. Oh, definitely. And the, the thing that's always amazing to me watching these films is the way that they can tell so much character development with really saying little. Yeah. Like, there, there is dialogue, and there's probably... Maybe even more dialogue in this film than some other Miyazaki films. But that being said, like the character development 
is so matter-of-fact. And it's not in the way where, you know, the film's telling the viewer everything. It's telling you the viewer in a really compelling way, letting people know little tidbits of each character, just kind of on their the way they interact with other characters, not necessarily, oh, I'm Chikuru, and I'm a lazy girl. You know, yeah. it does, it, that's not how the movie's introduced. It's more like her opening line is, oh, flowers, how depressing. Or what did she say, like... Flowers yeah. for a goodbye present. How oh, depressing. she's like, I finally get a bouquet of flowers oh, yeah, it's and a it's a go- good going away present, yeah. And it's like, something like that is such a mature thing to say almost. It's almost out of place for, for a kid to say. But at the same time, I feel like in kids' movies, we make, seem, we make kids seem a lot dumber than they really are. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think in a lot of maybe Western uh, children's films, it's kind of like, oh, kids are, oh, kids, they don't really know anything. An eight-year-old kid doesn't know anything. But, like, when we were eight years old, sure, we didn't know a lot, but we were still saying somewhat in- intelligent things, you know? It still had some pretty unique thoughts, I'd say. Exactly, and it, that's why this movie feels so unique to me. And it, yeah. it's, it, it plays, it paints a picture of this whimsical world that is so out of this world that we can never really, like, grasp, but yet they put this character in that is fairly relatable. You know, and yeah. it makes it makes you even think of like the first job you ever had when you're like everything's new and you don't really know how to work. Yeah. But then everyone's there kind of you. You work hard and you hold back the tears when shit sucks and all that kind of stuff. Right. Now, I uh, I want to talk a little bit about the, how the storyline is progressing. So now that she's part of this bathhouse, she's working to survive. She's working to remain alive and remain in the world and not be killed or not have her parents killed. I and think things are probably, dangerous for her, yeah, by things, the way. Things <laughs> are very dangerous. There's like, monsters literally just trying to kill her, like, willy-nilly. It's not a big yeah, deal. Exactly. So, you know... She ends up letting a spirit in, and it kind of seems a little bit eerie. Letting a spirit into the bathhouse seems a little bit eerie. We end up seeing that storyline progress a little bit later, but I guess what she's really trying to do is chat with or find Haku, right? Yeah, She wants yeah. to talk to Haku, like, where's Haku? Where's Haku? Where's Haku? And then she starts having to deal with that spirit that she had let in who ends up becoming kind of a monster, and then Haku ends up being hurt. She almost rescues him and gets involved in Yubaba's personal business and Haku's dealings, and that takes her elsewhere. And I think that's kind of a good place to leave. Yeah, that's that's like the climax of the film to a degree. A lot of things tie together. So we'll cover that probably after the breaker here, get a little bit more information on Spirit Away, talk a bit more about why the film resonates so well with us. So just uh, sit tight, guys, while I'll talk to you in a little bit. And we're back. All right, guys. So right before we took a little break there, we were talking about how kind of this film comes to one big climax and a lot's going on. Like little tidbits of the entire story just essentially wrap up. They come together at a a certain period of time. So at this point, um, Haku's flown back to the spa in his dragon spirit form. Which, Um, by the way, sorry, is completely badass. His dragon form, super badass. It is super badass. Um, he's getting attacked by these little paper demon things. Yeah, yeah, um, he's getting attacked, and... And Jahiro, and by the way, her name is Sen while she's in this sort of uh, dream world, or whatever you want to call it, while she's working at the bathhouse. So if I call her Sen, you know... Yeah, we may have probably should have elaborated on that earlier, because yeah. the last 20 minutes not, might not have made too much sense. Oh, quick tidbit, um... Our girl Sen, aka Chihiro, aka Lilo from Lilo and Stitch. Whoa, little shout little, out to Lilo and Stitch. Sh- shout out same to year, same year. Dave, Dave. Sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong. Dave Chase. Yeah, same year, 2001. Lilo and Stitch also came out. Uh, big year for that girl. Chick was so, coming up. She was doing a lot of voice work back then. I don't think she's done too much since, unfortunately. But 
It's all good. Those are some, fact. This is some big movies. I like. I mean, I take make the assumption. Like, I mean, Disney spearheaded the dub, right? So they probably like, well, who's the mo- who's our most notable small Where's child Jackie? actor right now? So they probably just used her. Chick's probably retired. She's probably fifteen right now and retired. Dude, you do Lilo and Stitch and Spirit Away. You're good. Yeah, you're good. You're all right. Anyways, sorry. Continue. What's going on here? So we have Haku. He's getting into some trouble. So Haku, yeah, he's being attacked by these little paper demons. He manages to fly back into the spa where Jihiro rushes to his sort of rescue. Um, And I guess meanwhile, uh, No-Face is kind of starting to cause a ruckus within the bathhouse. Meanwhile, yeah, that spirit that she had let into the bathhouse um, has swallowed one of the frog workers, has taken on his voice, is producing fake gold for the whole place, so everyone's going crazy to help him. And as he's slowly getting bigger and stronger by eating more and more and more, he starts consuming people and gaining kind of their power. You get the vibe of yeah, that. Yeah, he's like the idea of like what people want rather than what they need. It's all about like having materialistic like obsession sort of. And everyone yeah. just wants wants things he's promising them or he, they want gold and they want rich, rich, richness, I suppose. But the only person who doesn't want anything that he's offering is Jihiro. Yeah. She doesn't care Sen, about the yeah, or Sen. She doesn't care she doesn't about care. the gold at all. She's cool. Now and one that thing activates him. It freaks him out. Yeah. And so he cuz he wants to control her or kind of like control her with the the idea of this wealth. But so as this guy's getting out of control, she needs to rush away from Haku to go solve this problem of Yababa's um, because this guy is destroying the place. No face is destroying the place, making a ruckus, eating all the food. He's killed three uh, of the workers. But what's really important is just before that, a muck spirit, um, or a muck, a stink spirit, they call it. Yeah, but he spirit. was a river spirit that had been swamp um, bottom, if you will. Yeah, swamp bottom. Yeah. So swamp bottom comes in and they. Clean him out. Uh, Jihiro sort of heads this to c- clean him off, clean him off, give him a b- good bath. Um, she finds a thorn in his side, pulls it out, and releases all this sort of sludge. And the river spirit is free to fly out of there and gives Jihiro this healing uh, ball. Like It kind of right, looks like yeah. a rice ball or something like that. It's like yeah, a- yeah. It's like a healing medicine thing. And she had planned on giving that to her parents to turn them back into humans. But since Haku's now hurt and um, also, um, what's his name, No-Face is causing a whole bunch of problems, she basically gives half to Haku to help him and half to No-Face to help him. Yeah, and because of that, essentially, most of the issues happening there get resolved. Exactly. Haku's able to, you know, kind of come over, overcome his sickness and... Basically dethrone Yababa, essentially, or kind of like, you know, show her who's boss yeah. in a sense. And But you know, when the next part of the story takes place, Haku's still recovering. Yeah, he's and injured still, yeah. So why he's been, uh, why he was so sick was there was some little demon thing inside of him that Yubaba had put inside of him in order right. to control him. And it was sort of attached to this gold... Um, what, what was it? It was an this, amulet. It was like this, this gold this, amulet spell thing. Yeah, yeah, it was this sacred treasure that Yababa was just protecting because it's worth so much. And, you know, it, it means a lot to her for whatever reason. They don't really elaborate well, on Well, Yababa had stole it from whatever. Right. And so I guess. Had the, Haku steal it anyway. And so, yeah, like you were saying earlier, she's doing her dirty work. So instead of her having it on her on, on herself, she makes Haku keep it with him. Exactly. And so, 
Um, in the midst of healing Haku, Jihiro finds this or San finds this and decides that she, because Haku had helped her so much, she needs to go and help Haku and apologize to Yubaba's sister whom Haku stole it from. So she ends up hopping on a train. And this is where the story is starting to come to an end. Right. Everything's starting to resolve. She ends up going to see Yubaba's sister, makes a couple discoveries. Um, Haku comes by. Um, flies her out of there, remembers her name. Haku brings her back and forces Yubaba to allow her to uh, get her parents back and go home. Yeah, and I, I mean, then this is some of my, this is probably my favorite part of the film, honestly. Like, especially, especially that uh, that train scene. It, it always has been my favorite scene in the whole movie, and it's kind of pretty notable. If you like look up Spirit Away, you'll often find that still. Yeah. Um, similar to the Totoro like stop stop bus stop scene. But, yeah. Anyways, um, and so what's happening here is we have also No Face reacting to this medicine, where uh, the th- the three or so people that he's consumed like come out of him and he- they're free, and you know he's he's becoming weaker and smaller, and all of the gluttony he's consumed and tried to perpetuate on other characters is gone, and he's kind of just become this humble vapid, spirit, yeah, this, yeah. this kind of humble vapid spirit that doesn't really have any rhyme or reason anymore, doesn't really have any anger, just kind of natural, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. which I think, get into this a little bit, is I think just nature in general is a huge theme in this film. Just a lot of, like, what's pure and what's impure and how people react to those mentalities. But I just want to get to this the train scene really quick because, like, that for me is, like, the whole, it says the whole movie. It's, like, it's, it's a great uh, visual storytelling cue where so much can be said without saying anything. Though that 20 seconds in which... Um, Sen and No Face are sitting on the train and they're just they're just going through the ocean and people are interacting around them and they're are just silent and quiet even though so much shit was just happening to them like a minute before and like the world just seemed like it was ending and for that twenty seconds on that bus everything's okay and they're just collecting yeah. their thoughts and it's not really a matter of who's right who's wrong. Who's rich? Who's it's just poor? Just kind of moving forward, yeah. Yeah, and, and it just it tells this really cool idea of everyone is equal at the end of the day. It doesn't matter. You could be sitting to anyone on the side of the tra- on beside you on the train. Yeah, no matter what someone has done. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't you don't know what they are. Whether you know their past or not, you don't whether you know their social status or not. At that very moment, you guys are equal. And I did that for me. That like is super cool. I think it's awesome. Yeah. And that it, like, and it's beautiful. Ties the way everything they per- together. The way they portray the water is really beautiful too. And actually, the last time we watched it, it reminded me like it's a bit of an anime connection. The, probably my favorite anime series, Death Note. There's an awesome scene um, on the last last episode where the character uh, uh, Misa is just sitting on a train after a lot of crazy shit's happened. And it's kind of a similar feeling. Obviously, they're completely different contexts. Right. But it just it, it's funny that they're both anime and they are kind of really similar scenes. But right. again, I just think it's like one of those things where so much is going on and traveling behind, be, behind the scenes on these characters, but... They're saying so inside little. the inside the train. It's like it's this, like this confined state. It's yeah, really it's interesting. Slow moving scene, and that's like super interesting. I mean, that's always like just really yeah. struck me in there. And so on this train, which by the way, the tracks are kind of submerged under maybe like a foot of water. Which so looks it so almost cool, by the way, right? It, Isn't yeah, that so badass? It really is. It almost looks like the train is just floating across the surface of the water. It's very cool. Um, they're going to see Baba's sister, whom this amulet has been stolen. Uh, stolen from by Haku. She's returning it in order to apologize on Haku's behalf. uh, behalf. Now, I think what's cool about this whole water scene and train scene is in the beginning of the movie, she's trapped from going home 
by the water. Right. Water is definitely now, a big symbol within this film. Hey? Yeah, absolutely. And now the water that she's crossing on this giant moving train, it's literally the ticket to going to her freedom. Right. So I yeah. think it's a real, like, it's kind of a cool symbolism. Like, it, it you know, slavery and freedom, yin and yang, that and kind it, of thing. It's the whole, like, idea of, like, it's her destiny almost. It's like she had to, like, go and live through this this destiny to learn a lesson, right? Yeah. Because every step she's made, people have been there to help her or people yeah. have been there to guide her, but she still just struggle and fight for herself. And then like you're, you're totally right. Her last way to get there was a ticket, train ticket. And that's where the boiler room man or the boiler man, I can't remember his exact name, yeah. uh, gives her a train ticket. And it's, he's like, Oh, I've kept it for years and years, but you can have it. Yeah. And it's just this idea where she is so selfless and she's not necessarily begging or asking or assuming of anyone. People want to help her exactly. yeah, because she's, she would do the same thing for them. Now, another cool thing is I kind of think the movie's almost about perspective because it starts in the car and she's kind of negative about moving. And, you know, I finally get a bouquet of flowers and I'm it's a going away gift. Like, this sucks. And then she goes through this huge experience in the dream world and all this horrible stuff happens and she ends up becoming very selfish and doesn't care about wealth and ends up helping a bunch of people, right. saving her parents. But by the time she gets back in the car, her parents ask her again, so Jihiro, uh, how, do you, how do you feel about the moving? Are you going to be okay? And she goes, yeah, I don't think it'll be so bad. Yeah, and she's, she's just this kid who, I mean, this is still 15 years ago, but even then this is a different generation of kids who are staying inside more, not really going out and experiencing anything, getting the kind of perspective you're talking about. Yeah. And then we have a character here who goes through so much shit and really you know, grows grows as a person and gains a perspective. It's a need, whole bunch of life experience. Right, and gains, gains what she needs to you know, see things for what they are rather than having a bit of a negative spin on it and just kind of – Maybe being selfish about the moment, and yeah. rather just like she it sees what, what gluttony does to no face. You know, she even her parents too. I think gluttony might be another big thing too, because her parents are just consumed by this like gluttonous. Like they're so funny. All they do is want to eat all this food, and they don't give a shit. They're like, let's eat till we can't. It's free. Might as well eat it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so silly. They be, yeah, they become fucking pigs. Which is so like that's kind of blatant symbolism. It's like you're this pig like being. Yeah. It's like you can pick out the individual symbolism in it like oh the pig is a symbol of glutton oh no face may be a symbol of glutton or like loneliness or something like that right. but uh, like putting it together is the really difficult part about this movie. Yeah it's there's like, too much know, going on. In order on. to understand <laughs> more about this flick in detail you really have to uh, you really have to look this up online. Now I th- kind of think this is a good place to wrap it up. We really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I think um, I think the movie as a whole, obviously, we'd recommend it to you. It's kind of one of those experiences. I think people will kind of have for have for themselves. I don't think anyone watches this movie and feels the same way as the other person. I think there's certain scenes that resonate more with other people. And I think there's some people that are just kind of like, what is this shit? I don't get it. And I don't really care about it. But I think if there's one thing, you know, you will find going out of this movie, whether you like it or hate it, is that it's really beautiful. And to think that one man can do this all himself. I mean, he definitely had help shading or like doing the background scenes. Staff, but you're right. He, but he like he created this himself. Yeah, and there's actually this a really cool on. documentary on Netflix about Miyazaki in which uh, his process of making The Wind Rises. I'd really recommend that documentary if you want to see a little bit more on like his process. Like me and Diane were talking about earlier on how he uh, 
doesn't write scripts, but just storyboards. They kind of go in depth on that, yeah. and a bunch of more things. And just kind of him as a person. He's just a, he's a genuinely interesting guy. He's seen some shit. He's done a lot of shit. He's definitely one of the gods of anime, and definitely one of the greatest artists in the world. Yeah. Very yeah. unique style. Um, can definitely definitely has no problem telling a story, even if he has nothing going into it, no ideas going in, other than an image in his mind. So that's super cool. Um, I think I think for a Studio Ghibli like a, a beginner, so to speak, I would recommend this one because it's not definitely. too it's not too um, some of his work is really like child focused and it's almost a little bit cutesy to a degree, which is yeah. fine. I think obviously if you're if you're a younger person, if you're a child, you're obviously gonna love that. But if you're someone who's a little bit older, like a older teen or a young adult, I would recommend this one because it is. It just it hits that middle ground. It's not very mature. It's not necessarily just for children. It just can kind of resonate with anyone. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Some others works like Princess Mononoke are a little bit more mature, or Nausicaa especially. Yeah. Um, Nausicaa of the Wind or whatever it is. Yeah. Of the Wind. That's a great one. That's technically their first film. That was before they were considered Ghibli, but they consider it a Ghibli movie now. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, he's made some great ones since. Uh, Howl's Women Castle, I would recommend. The Wind Rises, yeah. definitely recommend. That's a really good one. Definitely. Um, the whole studio, too. They do other great films. Definitely check out the studio. Give them a, a, a look. Uh, definitely yeah, uh, I'm sure one you, of those. I'm sure you guys have seen it. Like, Totoro's really like notable now. It's not like a... It's not like an obscure thing anymore, I really don't think. Yeah. At this point in 2016, like Ghibli's pretty well known, I'd say. Yeah, And definitely. I'm sure you guys have, might be like, Kyle down, we fucking get it. Where you guys telling us this shit? Fair yeah. enough, but still, like we would recommend Spirit Away as like a beginning point, or if you haven't seen it, totally recommend it. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's probably uh, gonna be it. Just talking about the movie here, a little bit of a shorter cast, but like we were saying earlier, we don't really know where to go in terms of digging deeper. We, we just want to tell you our thoughts. We wanted to have fun with this one. We wanted to be a little bit more relaxed and just talk about what we like about the movie. And I think we accomplished that one today, guys. So make sure to tune into our next episode coming up that's going to be by request from a gentleman named Jerry. Shout out to Jerry. Shaka brought a Jerry. Yeah, Shaka this is going to be Jerry. our first Patreon review, right? First Patreon review, yeah. So really appreciate him uh, with his donation of 30 bucks. He gets a movie request that we will uh, do. He gets a notebook, which he's received, and a shout-out, which, there you go. Of course, there you are. And obviously, if you guys feel inclined to do the same thing, if you want to see us review a movie or talk about a movie on the podcast, that's where you can make that happen. So check that out if you'd like. Um, Also, let us know if you guys want us to do more, like, anime reviews or things like that because we're, we're really into changing things up in terms of the content we cover yeah we're we're more than uh we more than welcome some criticism or if you guys want have any requests or anything like that by all yeah. means we're always into adding new things to the docket we're trying to change things up have a little bit of fun with what we're doing so that would really help us out and after the patreon review that's how we're gonna wrap up season two but we'll talk about that a little bit in the future in the meantime uh check out our soundcloud you can subscribe to the podcast through our rss feed there and also subscribe on itunes give us a five-star rating if you are so inclined <laughs> to um we'd appreciate that a lot of course social medias facebook uh, instagram all that shit you can check us out that's the second viewing um anyways i'm kyle i'm dan Shakabra. Shakabra.